Hello once again. We are coming to you from Three Gens Theology. Uh, Dr. Jim Ruff and uh, I'm Dan Hayden and my son Cy Hayden. We are three generations in the same family that uh, want to follow the Lord and have that continue through generations. That's certainly our request of the Lord, but also to encourage you and your ongoing generations. And we'd see that that would be something that would continue. We want to see a pattern of faithfulness passed on from one to the next. That's uh, something that we want to see for, uh, for families, Amen. for our country, and for our world. That's for sure. So we are in the middle of t- speaking of spiritual gifts uh, in pneumatology right now, and uh, it's a great, uh, interesting topic, one that brings up lots of questions and concerns, and there's been a lot of misteaching on this and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, misled people in this area. And so we hope to uh, walk through the scriptures and see what they say as we do this. So it's been a good thing to to do that. Good to be with you uh, today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together. May you be honored as we look into your word. Uh, Lord, have your spirit give us wisdom that we lack and help us to see the great truth of your scripture, uh, that we might share it accurately and uh, that we might be um, a real help to folks who need to understand your word in a better way. Help us to understand your word in a better way, of course. Uh, thank you for this time. May you be honored in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Sometimes in the midst of discussing spiritual gifts, we forget all about the Holy Spirit. After all, we are studying what the Holy Spirit is doing to build the church. We, he's accomplishing the purposes that the Father and the Son have for him. And in the process of doing that, if we get so caught up in the weeds of spiritual gifts that we forget that the giver of those gifts, the Holy Spirit, has a purpose in the gifts and that they are intended to be used in a way that will be uh, profitable, that will edify, build up the church, uh, that was uh, intended in the early church to help the church to have the information that they needed to know uh, in the absence of the presence of the Spirit of the uh, Word of God. If we forget all of those things, then we're missing the point of spiritual gifts. The gifts were given uh, by Christ to the church to give the uh, the responsible individuals who were to minister there. They were given by the Spirit to enable the believers to be able to do uh, things that enhance their ordinary abilities, to enhance them in the direction of spiritual capabilities that they otherwise wouldn't have had. And so as we are spending this time looking at the gifts, we don't want to get so deeply engaged in uh, discussion of what people are doing wrong that we fail to see what it was that God intended the gifts for to begin with so that we might do them right. I think in this area especially we get focused on on the gifts or on on me, on what I can get from them, what I can have from them, how I can show what I have, um, and that is completely backwards from where the focus uh, should be. It, it should be completely f- foreign from that. It should be how great the Spirit is, how great the Father and Son are, 
uh, and how we might minister to the church to build it up and then, of course, to reach out to others. But the, the focus gets, gets uh, switched around here. Yes, on, it does. On what I, can, what I can have, what I can do. And, and we realize as we study the gifts as they were used in the early church that there was a balance between the way in which they were to be used. Those who were prophets uh, within the early church were intended to give out God's word to the church. Those who had the gift of tongues, and it wasn't everyone, but those who had it when they spoke in the assembly were to have others who would interpret that message to the church so that the church would be edified by it. People who came in from the outside who heard people speaking in tongues would begin to think these are a bunch of babblers. They're all just making a lot of noise. They're speaking in languages we don't know. But then when the interpreter speaks and says, this is what they are saying, those who know those languages will agree. Those who don't know those languages will be edified. When the use of healing was, was uh, very prominent in the early church, it provided a way so that during the times of of uh, torture and torment, there would be those who by the grace of God could help those who were within the church, but they could also be used to heal unbelievers in such a way that those people would be attracted to Christ when they learned that it was not the power of the healer, but rather the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that brought about the healing. When we look at the use of gifts at all times, we recognize that the power behind them is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will not use them in a way that, that uh, just squanders them. He intends them to be used in an orderly and, and a proper way to accomplish the purpose for which they were given. Now we looked at chapters 12, we spoke about chapters 12, 13, and 14 because they're such a tremendous Of 1 Corinthians. Of 1 Corinthians, right. yes. Uh, because they give us so much information uh, through Paul about what the uh, intended use of the gifts were, how they were being misused because of a lack of love among the Corinthians when they were using the gifts, how many were seeking to have gifts that were not the best gifts to have, and they were seeking them that they might all be noses, or they might all be brains, or they might all be ears, but nobody wanted to be a foot. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a funny thing when you read the way Paul writes it, but he's making a point there that, uh, that everyone had a different gift to the accomplishment of the purpose of building the church. That was the purpose that they were given for and, and not for the, uh, the self-aggrandizement, the building up, the, uh, the joy of being great on the part of the person who had the gift. So if we look back at those chapters, they help us with another major issue. And that is the question of why, if these gifts were so important in the early church, do we claim that they've not all continued to the present day? It's important for us to deal with this question 
because really throughout the church scattered around the world, there are many people, uh, particularly those who are referred to as charismatics, uh, who believe that they have any one of these gifts, some of them many of these gifts, that they can heal, that they can uh, give a word of knowledge, that they can proclaim the truth as, as those who are uh, prophets, that they can speak tongues, that they can uh, accomplish great miracles because of the fact that uh, God the Holy Spirit yeah. hasn't changed. Or a special discerning of spirit, discerning of spirits as though it's straight from God mm-hmm. as well, yeah, right. And, and they claim it on the basis of the fact that uh, God the Holy Spirit is still God. He hasn't changed. The New Testament says he gave gifts, so we must, we must still have, have all of those gifts today. Yep. Now, we do see, and, and arguing on a strictly uh, evidential basis, you know, th- this is what happens when X does this. This is what happened in that church. I heard about this happening over there. We can go all through experience and all the rest of that, but the important thing for us is to demonstrate that if we truly believe that some of these gifts were intended to be simply sign gifts to accomplish the purpose of giving revelation to the early church, of giving authentication to those who ministered in the early church, that their message was true and it was from God, that these signs and wonders and things that were done in healing and casting out demons, all of those things were intended to build up the church, to build up its testimony in the world. Until the New Testament was complete, we have to be able to show somehow from the Word of God that there is a basis for us saying this, not just that yeah. we uh, feel uncomfortable uh, right, with uh, them. Us just saying that's what we think is not uh, <laughs> not valid, right? That's right. Yep. That's right. The proper way for us to go about doing this, then, is to look in the Scriptures to see if there are some ways in which the Scriptures help us to see that these gifts might, in fact, have ceased. One of the ways in which we see that is that these gifts are sometimes referred to as apostolic gifts. That is, they were gifts that were practiced by the apostles themselves, and many of them practiced by the apostles themselves. But that causes us to fall back on the question of what the New Testament teaches about who apostles were. What do we know about that? What evidence do we have from Scripture that there was a special group called apostles that then ceased to exist and that we don't have apostles today in the same way? What do we think, guys? Do we have some some evidence that perhaps... In the, we can say that they were a special group that no longer exists. In the pastoral epistles, or talk about uh, pastors, elders for churches, and it doesn't doesn't uh, refer to apostles for for those. So later later writings, it doesn't have those listed there, um, which is a great a uh, uh, pretty clear hint at that idea. Yes. Another thing is that. 
If we look at the description of the apostles and look at Acts chapters 1 and 2, in fact, 1 through 6, one thing we find very, that's very interesting, the apostles were seen to be those who had been with Jesus. And when it was time to replace Judas, one of the things that they wanted to have as a criterion for making that decision was that it had to be someone who was among them who had been with Jesus. Right. Who had and been with Paul's, Jesus. Paul's remark is one out of time, one out of, out of season, as one who saw, who had been with Jesus after. Yes. So, right? So, in other words, the description, one of the aspects of what an apostle was, was that he was an individual who had seen Jesus. So, obviously, those who were his disciples were counted as apostles. As Dan said, Paul later on spoke of himself having seen Jesus on the Damascus Road and then apparently being taught by Jesus before he went to Jerusalem. He became an apostle out of the same period of time that the apostles came to be, and yet he was an apostle wasn't less than the others because he had, in fact, seen Jesus. But what happened when that generation was gone? Do we see any evidence in the New Testament that tells us that apostles continue beyond that time? We don't. There's no indication in the New Testament and even in the early church that once the apostles died, there were others who were apostles in the same sense that they were. And so that's an important reason for us to say that those gifts that were especially thought of as being apostolic gifts would cease with the death of the apostles themselves. There's another way in which we can look at this issue of the duration of gifts. And by the way, let's, let's go through those, those titles that we can use for the way we discuss whether gifts are still here or not. One of them is continuationism, or the continuation of the gifts. There are those today who claim that all of the gifts that we find in the New Testament continue to today. They can all be found in the church. People can still have those gifts. Um, Those who argue for that position generally say, well, Jesus doesn't change. The Holy Spirit doesn't change. So why should those gifts not continue to be given? They will claim that miraculous practices have continued through the ages. Has God performed miracles through the ages? Sure. Does God have to use human beings with special gifts to perform miracles? No, he doesn't. God can perform miracles at his will. He doesn't have to give a special gift to an individual that that person might be able to perform a miracle. Many persons today claim to have those gifts. 
And yet many of those who are teachers among them, who will claim, for example, to have the gift of healing, for some reason get sick and die, despite the fact that they've had these gifts or claim to have had them. And other, the other argument that's given is all of the New Testament was given to us for our practice. All of the New Testament was given to us for our practice. Let's, let's stop at that one for just a moment because it's an important one. Is everything that is written in the New Testament given to us for our practice? Should we do everything that is written in the New Testament? What do we think about that, guys? What comes to mind? I'm, I'm blanking on, yeah. on on where you're going with that. The gospels, <laughs> yeah. the gospels are not where we're living now, but they have truth in them. The the good a lot of truth in them. Okay. The revelation is not yet, but has truth in it. Uh, although first several chapters would be applicable to today. Mm-hmm. But um, do you have something in mind? Do you have something in mind? Well, I'm not sure where you're going with that. <laughs> All right. Let's let's use let's use a, a, an example that we find in the Gospels. When Jesus uh, went to the marriage feast, um, and Mary came to him and said, "Look, they they run out of the best wine. Will you do something about it?" And Jesus went ahead and changed the water into the very best wine that could possibly be there. Um, Should we, like Mary, tell Jesus that he's got to do things like that if we run short at a marriage feast sometime in the future? No. I mean, Mary was a good woman. Make demands, right. Make demands of Christ for for those things, right? Yeah. Should we do that? Right. Um, or it, as you're talking about some of those miracles, he said, go and tell no one. Should we follow that advice? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Should, but, should, we, but, in, should we in the, uh, the early chapters of Acts, we find the apostles that they're going about uh, healing people in the name of Jesus. Is that our responsibility to be looking for people to heal? Well, I mean, th- but that's Jesus. what the whole—that's what the whole New Testament people are saying—is that that's the case. That's that's what they claim. Right. That that's the case. Right. So, if that is the case, should we be seeing lots of examples of that taking right. place around us, or are we in some way, are we in some way insisting that things that we see happening back at the beginning of the early church must happen today? the same way they did back then. Yeah. So, I, again, I think uh, we can think a lot of things about that, but it needs to be what the Scriptures say about it, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So if, if we go to the Old Testament, it's much easier to find examples of things that were we, done that then we, that, we don't that we don't practice today. Right, because Scripture, we're told that, that uh, non-kosher food is acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Right, we're told that in the scripture. So, that's uh, that's that's where we find our footing for that. Not that we just want to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And if we find things in the ministry of the Lord Jesus that He commanded the disciples to do then, that were appropriate then, but might not be appropriate 
for us now, for us today. Right. Um, for instance, the sending of his disciples into the cities at the time that he did. Um, and he told them certain ways for them to dress, to shake off the dust of the sh- uh, from their sandal, all the rest of that. Uh, is that something that is demanded of us today? Should we dress the same way they did back then? Should we go into the cities and do things the same way that he commanded them then? Or was that a specific thing that he was giving his disciples to do under his command as the king on the earth at that day? Those are questions that are important for us to answer because otherwise we can simply assume that everything Jesus told the disciples to do in his day we must do today. We don't make that claim. Right. Moving on then. What are some appropriate responses for this one? Well, let me hold that for just a second until we bring out the other views. There's a partial secessionist view. Secession meaning ending. The, the partial secessionist view that, that uh, we would probably not hold to is one that says that most of the gifts are still here today but a few have gone away. Then there's this partial secessionist B, (laughs) which would be one that we would be more comfortable with. That is to claim that there are gifts that are listed in the New Testament that do continue in the church today, but there are many that are listed there that do not. And then there's a, a final view that can be mentioned and that one is complete cessation. And that's the view that all gifts have ceased, have ceased to exist, that they're no longer found in the church today. And that means that there isn't a gift of giving, there isn't a gift of administration, there isn't a gift of pastor-teacher, that all of those gifts have ceased to be. We would have some problems with that one. <laughs> now, What is it in the New Testament that tells us that some of these gifts will have passed away? Well, beautifully, it's right there in our text that we see them first established. That's what's so great about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, is that right there within that passage we see the the reality, not not the the timing is not defined, Mm -hmm. but the reality of the cessation is is plainly stated. Right. So the the text that we love to read, love, pun, love to read, um, of chapter 13 being called the love chapter, um, is also just incredible teaching on the cessation of the gifts, of the of the sign gifts. Yes. Right? Um, so I'll just let me just start reading. First, verse one: If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So we start with this combination of comparison between, in this verse, gift of the tongues, the sign gift, and love. Right. Mm-hmm. Verse two: If I have the gift of prophecy, and know all the mysteries and all knowledge. So there's several clumped together there. Right. Um, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. 
And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And then the famous passage on love, love is patient, kind, jealous, not jealous, does not brag, does not er not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not uh, take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then every time you've heard this passage read, it, at the end it says, love never fails. Love never comes to an end. It's the idea of ends, love never ends. Um, and you've I know what you're thinking every time they, re they you read that. You think, well, that's a weird statement. Love mm -hmm. never ends. That's a weird statement. Well, it is a weird statement if you're only talking about love. But you're not only talking about love. You're talking about love there as a comparison with these gifts right. because it goes on. Right. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there are knowledge, it will be done away. And so there's this comparison through this passage that love, the love that we have amongst the brethren, does not end, right? Mm -hmm. But these sign gifts, these gifts of tongues and of knowledge and of prophecy, these grouping of these gifts, as you've, I know you're going to talk about that, uh -huh. um, uh, do come to an end. Now, it doesn't specify when they come to an end in this right. passage, but it's clear that they do. Yes. So it's so beautiful. It's right here in this passage when they're, when they're introduced. And Paul is using love, contrasting it to the way in which they are using these sign gifts and saying, look, you may think that this is the most important thing Right, it's thing even greater you, than that, right. But there's something greater than that. Yeah. Greater and long-lasting. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and these right. will be gone, but you'll still be loving. Yep. You must be loving. Yep. So the, the other passage that ties into what Dan just read to us is actually chapter 12. And I would ask you, if you have your Bible with you, to look at chapter 12, verses 25 to 31. Let me read this passage to you and explain some things that are mentioned in here. Oh, excuse me, chapter 12, verses 3 to 11 is where we find it. Um, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the spiritual gifts given to accomplish the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And to another, and this is where I have to stop for a moment to explain something to you. In, uh, in Greek, there are two words that mean other or another. The one is alas, and it's a word that generally means the same as. It is, it is a word that means the same kind as. Whereas heteros means a different kind. A different kind. So as I read through this, I will give you those words just to help you to see how it works out. 
For to one is given the word of knowledge, of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another of the same kind the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another heteros, that is, to another kind of person, faith by the same Spirit, and to another of the same kind, gifts by he of healing by the one spirit, and to another of the same kind, the effecting of miracles, and to another of the same kind, prophecy, and to another of the same kind, the distinguishing of gifts, of spirits, to another of a different kind, various kinds of tongues, and to another of the same kind, the interpretation of tongues. Now, why is this significant? Because if you take each of those groups between the other of a different kind, you will find one of the words that Dan read in that last passage in 1 Corinthians 13. One word representing each one of those groups. And thus what Paul is doing is he's going back to his list And he's saying there is this group of people who have gifts for specific purposes. There's this group of people who have gifts for specific purposes. And there's this group of people who have gifts for those purposes. Their purposes are different. They accomplish the same thing because they're all given by the Spirit. But they're all going to be done away. They will all cease to exist. And so we see both in chapter 12 where the gifts are first listed and in chapter 13 where it's said that they will go away, a direct correlation. And so this we have as another form of biblical demonstration that these gifts were not intended to continue. They were given for a period of time in the early church for accomplishing some amazing and wonderful things to the testimony of the church and its people, for the building up of the church and for the teaching and instruction of the church. But then they no longer were necessary because the New Testament was completed and we have God's word there. Yeah. So our founding in that is not that that's what we think or that's what our uh, our denomination says or... Um uh, it's just because uh, it's that way, because I said so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but rather, it's that's that's how the scriptures lay them out. Uh, even from the establishment of them, that's yes. how the scriptures lay them out. And so uh, we we have a strong standing there for those things, and you have a strong standing there in the scriptures for them. You don't need to be um, to be uh, afraid of those conversations um, when there are people who have had these great experiences and they talk about how great these experiences are and all of this, uh, that experience does not change the truth of the Scripture, right? It doesn't change the truth of the Scripture. Um, some, some of those experiences are, are simply, uh, um, you know, um, uh, they're led to it emotionally, um, to, to these things. And um, it doesn't, doesn't change, none of it changes the Scriptures, uh, so we can we can rest in those. And it frees you in another way because for those who say that every believer must speak in tongues, we've already demonstrated that these passages... Wrong on two accounts. 
uh, <laughs> that that is not true. Yep. If, if you f- are free from the necessity of having to find a way to speak in tongues, if you're free from the necessity of trying to find an interpreter of tongues, if you're free from the necessity of feeling that somehow you must miraculously heal or cast out demons in your own power, that gives you the ability to allow God the Holy Spirit to use the gifts that you might have, that gift of, of uh, proclaiming the word of God as a pastor or a teacher. The, the, the wonderful opportunity to serve the church in an administrative role, the ability to be an unusually uh, exceptional giver in the life of the church, the per- per- person who can show mercy in a way that others cannot, the individual who is a consummate evangelist, above that of all the rest of us who are commanded to do the work of evangelism, Mm -hmm. but don't always do it as well as those evangelists do. Those gifts are used by the Spirit of God in the church to accomplish his purpose. And if you're seeking those, then God will bless you in the use of them. And you'll know that you have them because people will say, hey, did you know that you're exceptional at yeah. It's also good that we, while we take in good counsel and we take in biblical teaching, and God has, has given different roles of pastors, teachers, uh, we don't have to look to somebody who's got a special word for us, or we don't, we don't have to follow the, the, the divine authority of somebody with a special knowledge uh, of somebody. You, you ha- if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God in you, and you have the Word of God with you, uh, to, to look into, that the Spirit helps you understand. Certainly it's good to take in the teaching of God's Word. Certainly it's good yes. to get counsel from, from uh, faithful people, whether they're counselors or whether they're uh, believers, just plain believers. It's good to get good counsel from, from godly people. Um, but you, you don't have to live by the, uh, the leading of somebody who has a special word uh, because the word is what is special and the spirit gives us illumination to understand it as we go. And so it, it does free us in a, in a whole variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, how good it is to not be uh, caught up in these um, misleading teachings uh, that make us feel less. Uh, it really begins to create a hierarchy of, of believers, right? When we have that, that some people really know how to speak in tongues and you don't know yet, or some people are, are specially anointed and you're not yet, or all this hierarchy. And that is not the point. The one who should be glorified is Almighty God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And uh, we are ones who are uh, unworthy but privileged servants, uh, redeemed ones of his that get to serve him. And so um, though Jim knows a lot more Bible than I do, uh, and I should yearn to know the Scripture like he knows that um, at the same time we are completely equal before God because of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would go to him for counsel. I would seek him for instruction, um, but I don't need to wait for the word of, for a special word of knowledge to come to him <laughs> right. for me to follow Christ. Uh, right. And so uh, it, 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 is, it actually encourages because then we can, we can pursue God together not in a hierarchical sense, right? Yes. And how good, how good that is, how, how refreshing that is. 
Well, we've gone a little longer today, and we're still not done with these uh, gifts, I don't think. Uh, but uh, we'll come back to it next time, how good it's been. I think it's such a, a foundational thing. Really, it's not that complicated, though it, it's such a, uh, it's such a big area of misleading in the church mm. that it, is, it has become complicated. Um, and so uh, you don't have to question these things. It's right there in this one lengthy passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, right there. It talks about the cessation of those gifts. So thank you for joining with us today. Um, read, those, read that passage. Read that passage and uh, have the Spirit help you to understand that truth. It's not right because we said it. It's right because it said it. Um, so good to be able to found our lives on the scriptures, that's for sure. Well, thanks for joining with us. Again, uh, always, if you want to contact us, uh, my email is pd at crossbridgeindy.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us with us. We'll see you next time.